the question is, how about you? Could you wait for the marshmallow? So this is based on a, a series um, that, of studies that was done. Actually, it was in the late 1960s, early 70s at Stanford. And researchers wanted to do a, a series of tests to study um, the effects of delayed self-gratification. And so they developed this series of studies with kids. And now it's been a number of years, and so they've been able to follow these kids through the years to see the results. So the, the study was, as you saw, they'd have toddlers come in the room, and basically they would tell them, if you can have one marshmallow right now if you want to eat it, but if you can wait 15 minutes, and the researcher would go out of the room, so they would have to do this on their own with their own self-control, their own patience, not eat that marshmallow. If they could do that for 15 minutes, the researcher would come back in and give them another marshmallow, and they could enjoy two marshmallows. So now, years down the road, the research has shown that the kids who were able to wait and not eat that first marshmallow, there's wonderful long-term effects that they've been able to see, that these kids have enjoyed better health in their lives, they have done better in school, they have had healthier relationships, they've done better in their professions. There's just all these examples of wonderful benefits if you are able to wait, but waiting is hard hard, right? I mean, excruciating when you're a kid and you've got a white, delicious, sugary, fluffy marshmallow just staring at you, begging to be eaten, right? Now, there have been studies all for years and years that show that all animals, I mean, humans included, that we would much rather favor, we're inclined to favor short-term rewards rather than long-term rewards. We all want that instant reward rather than forcing ourselves to wait. Even though the research shows that when we wait for that long-term reward, that there are countless benefits But it is so hard for us to learn to wait because we are not naturally patient creatures. From the time we are born, we do not want to wait for anything. We want instant gratification. We want the world to go at our pace and focus on our needs when we need them. Now, as we get older... We're supposed to get better at this, right? As we get older, we're supposed to become more patient people as we mature. How's that going for you? You doing better with that? Because I don't feel like I'm always a very patient person. Um, There are days that I am running late, and I swear I hit every single red light on the way to getting to where I go. Or I hit every road filled with construction. Does that happen to you guys too? There are days that sometimes I order something from a store and it doesn't show up. So then I call them and I say, where is this thing? And they're like, oh, well, sorry, it got lost. And so you like reorder it and it still doesn't show up. And you call again. They're like, oh, sorry, I got back ordered. So then you reorder it. And then seriously, I had this happen and it still didn't show up. And I called and they're like, oh, it got sent out, but it got returned to sender for some reason. I'm like, oh, I'll tell you where you can return your item. I mean, goodness, people. I mean, it is just maddening. And if you're and you get impatient sometimes. There are days that my kids say, Mom, so many times I go crawling into the bathroom and I stuff towels under the door so they can't sneak through that crack under the door because I just know that they are going to figure out a way to do that. 
There are days that, you know, the pizza man can just not get there fast enough, right? And I mean, I have him on speed dial, and so I can speed dial him. I can pay with a number over the phone, and someone else makes a pizza to my exact specification. Someone else gets in their car and drives it and hand delivers it to my door. And I'm still like, you're running late, man. You know, I'm so, I can get so impatient. There are days my internet's not fast enough. My phone doesn't have enough memory on it. And that new episode is not on Netflix yet. And I just get impatient. There are days that I am so impatient with the people that I love the most. And there are days that I are, I'm impatient with myself. Patience is the capacity to tolerate a delay. Patience is the ability to suffer a little bit without getting angry or upset. Patience is something that shows remarkable endurance and stability and calmness. Patience is persistent courage in challenging circumstances. Your patience quota is your level of endurance to endure a situation before you lose it and you become negative. Patience means when you are under strain, you wait and you don't complain. Patience means when you're under strain, you wait and you don't complain. So how about you? Do you ever find yourself running out of patience? How about this? Have you ever been in the grocery store and you need to get into a line and so you kind of eyeball all the people in line and you kind of do this count in your head? Maybe you multiply it by the amount of items they have in the cart and you make the best guess you can of which line is going to go the fastest and you get in that line and you're ready to go. But maybe, okay, maybe it's just me, but do you ever think of the alter you in the other line if you would have gotten in the other line and you kind of keep track of it and if you get through your line before the alter you would have gotten through the line, you're like, do a little victory dance maybe just on the inside. But if the altar you gets through their line before you do, you're kind of a little depressed, man. You didn't choose the fastest line. Have you ever experienced a little road rage? People going too slow, people going too fast. Have you ever been at slow restaurant where the service just was going slow and you're trying to get to a show and you're like, come on, people. Have you ever gotten stuck in traffic? And it makes you delay you for hours? How about an airport delay where you could get delayed for days? Have you ever talked to customer service and you're like getting nowhere with what you're trying to communicate? Or how about, man, have you ever had to deal with an insurance denial or an insurance explanation that just makes no sense and you can't find someone who can explain things in a way that makes sense? You know, I thought it might be fun for us just this morning. I hope you've had your coffee this morning, but I thought we should do a little patience test just to see, you know, in the house how our, our patience level is this morning. Guys, game? You ready? Okay, here we go. Here's the first question. Welcome to the patience quiz. Ready to begin? Okay, you need to choose your letter where you're at. A, yes, I'm ready to start. Let's go. B, okay, let's start whenever you're ready. C, just get on with it. Come on. Or D, ah, just start now. Okay, so where are you? Who's, who's, who's some A's in the house? Anybody got some A's? Okay. We got some B's. Any few? Okay. C's. Anybody C's? Any at D level yet? Uh-oh. Woo! We're in trouble. All right. Here's a second question. You ready? Welcome to the patience quiz. Ready to begin? All right. Pick your letter. Where are you? Ready? Okay. Um, question three. Here we go. All right. 
Welcome to the Patience Quiz. Are you ready to begin? Are you still at the same letter you started at? Or are you, are you moving down the row here? Where are you? Okay, question four. Question four. Welcome to the Patience Quiz. Are you ready to begin? We can start now or wait longer, whatever you want. Um, yeah, we can start. I thought we were going to go by now. See, get going already. I've been ready to start for ages or D. I swear if you ask that question one more time. Okay, we'll stop there, okay? I don't want to like stress anybody out too badly this morning. But here's the thing. Impatience, it's not really a decision. Impatience is more of an emotion. You get impatient with someone. Are you getting a little impatient with me with my little quiz up here? You get impatient. It's a feeling. Um, Do you ever struggle with impatience and just feel, you feel that like, why is that person not getting it? Why do they not get it? Well, here's the thing. Patience is not natural. What is natural is your natural pace. The natural pace in which you operate in this world is what is natural for you. Um, Your natural instinct is to assume that your pace is the pace by which all people should operate. Um, It's the pace by which all people should be judged because that's what's natural to you. Maybe you think he's impatient and she thinks you're slow. Maybe she thinks you should be moving up the management ladder faster and you feel pressured by her. We all have a pace by which we naturally move. And when others are not in step with that pace, we get impatient. Well, here's the good news. We are not alone. People all through history, people all through the Bible have struggled with impatience, We all struggle with that. Okay, so this morning we are going to be in the book of James. It's actually a letter that James wrote to the early church. Um, Now, James, he was the little brother of Jesus. He was the half-brother of Jesus. He grew up in Jesus' house. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus as your brother every single day? Right? I mean, can you only imagine? I can't even imagine how Mary handled this situation. James, why can't you be more like your older brother, Jesus? Sorry, Mom. I mean, it had to have been a rough gig. I mean, little brothers, they follow their big brothers everywhere, right? I mean, there was probably that time, one time when James almost drowned. Wait for it. Jesus walked on water. All right, we'll keep moving. All kidding aside, it would have been rough having Jesus as your brother. Um, And, you know, Scripture actually tells us that Jesus in his ministry, um, he didn't have the support of his family for a long time. Um, John 7, 5 tells us that his brothers did not believe in him as the Messiah. They thought that Jesus was a little confused, maybe even a little crazy. His brothers didn't um, jump on the bandwagon of believing that Jesus was the Messiah. James just couldn't wrap his head around this idea that the guy he grew up with as his brother was the Messiah. The guy he grew up playing games with and cleaning his room with and doing chores. It was not until after Jesus was crucified and resurrected and Jesus returned to the disciples and he returned specifically to his brother James 
to prove that he had come back to life. He, he showed his resurrected body to James, and James then became a believer. That Jesus not only went to the cross for our sin, but that when he was resurrected, he was able to show that he had power over our sin and that he had power over life and death. And James believed that he was the Messiah. And he became um, just a, a powerful advocate, a, a leader in the early church. It was after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples that James jumped into action and he dedicated his life um, to serving and, and leading in the early church. Now I want you to look at this. This is James 1.1. This is how James opens his letter. And he says, James, the brother of Jesus. Oh, he doesn't even mention that. He doesn't even mention that he's a relative of Jesus. He says, James, a servant of God and the Lord. He is my Lord, the resurrected one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, James, he became the leader, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Now, here's a picture of St. James. This is the uh, church in Jerusalem today that commemorates the leadership of James in the early church. Now, he faithfully pastored in Jerusalem until he was stoned to death um, when Christians faced tremendous persecution. James was perseverant. He was faithful until the end. And James lived at a time when the early church was just getting started. I mean, everybody was a first-generation Christian. Everybody was trying to figure out, what does this life look like to be a follower of Jesus in a, a non-Christian world? I mean, they were asking those questions. How, how do people see Jesus in me? How do I represent Jesus to my family and my friends and my work and my community differently as we get this, this movement of Christ followers started? So as we jump into the, this letter, we're going to kind of fast forward to the end of the letter. We're in James chapter 5 today. And James had just gotten done speaking about Christians who had a lot of money and how they had been extravagantly living their lives and how they had been treating the poor unjustly. And James, as he's getting ready to introduce this section, he says, even those of you have been, who have been treated unfairly or unjustly, you still need to show patience with those who have treated you that way. Even when you are in unfair circumstances, you still need to show patience in order to see Jesus in your lives. Okay, so let's pick up. We're actually going to listen as James begins this section of the letter. We're in James 5-7. Let's listen. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Okay, let's pause right there just for a moment. So James begins this section with a reminder that Jesus is coming back. There is this day where Jesus will return for the bride, the church, his people. Jesus is coming back for you. He's coming back for me. And it is a day that not even J.J. Abrams and all his cinematic glory could produce. I mean, it is a day like no other. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. And James says that while we wait, he knows our world is in chaos. Our world is just at war with each other. And James reminds us that as Christians, as Christ followers, we are waiting for that glorious day when Jesus, the King, 
will return. And while we wait, we need to remember that this world is not purposeless. There is this moment in time that all creation is moving towards the return of the king. The return of the king. He is coming back. And so James calls Christ followers to wait patiently for that day. The return of the king. And while we wait patiently for the return, we also need to to model this patience with others in our lives. And so he gives this example about a farmer. And he says, a farmer shows patience by waiting for their crops to grow. A farmer has to wait for the rain in the fall and the rain in the spring. And in order for their crops to go, a a, a farmer, a gardener, is, is really helpless to do anything. They can't produce the rain. They just have to wait for it. And a farmer must wait patiently to see the fruit of their labor. So James calls us to this kind of patient waiting for Jesus, that Jesus is going to return. And James says, you know what, I know this is the event of all events that will change your circumstances. It will end your suffering, and I get that. But there is a thing that Jesus is doing in your life, here and now, to help prepare us for our ultimate destiny, which is to be with Christ. That is your ultimate destiny, to be with Christ. But until that day comes... God wants to do a work in our lives, a work in our hearts, a work in how we witness Jesus to a watching world. So we need to do more than wait expectantly for the Lord's coming. We also need to learn to be patient in this life as well because you know what? God has been patient with you. God is patient with you. And if God is patient with you, God wants us to learn this kind of patience with one another. Okay, James is going to go ahead and continue here. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So I wonder, what is your natural response when you get impatient? Do you tend to get your grumble on? I can't believe this is happening. Can you believe that person said that? Can you believe that person did that? I cannot believe they're not being more respectful of my time. It's kind of easy to get our grumble on, isn't it? Our patience is our level of endurance before we go negative. Your patience is your level of endurance before you go negative. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. How long does it take before you're ready to torpedo someone with a negative complaint about their actions or their words or their ideas? Now, who is the most patient person you know? Just kind of think down your list of contacts. Who's your people that you, that you know? Who would you say is the most patient person you know? Now, we find patient people to be remarkable, don't we? Do you find patience remarkable? I do. I find patient people to be remarkable because they are able to endure a, different, a difficult circumstance without complaining. And that is so rare. That is so rare that we find it remarkable and we call this attribute patience. And James says in order for us to be patient, to be patient, we have to ax the negative comments. We need to learn to zip our lips. I mean, James really ties this idea of grumbling with patience. That if we want to learn to be more patient, if we want to grow our patience quota, 
we need to grow our positivity quotient as well. Because positivity and patience go together. Because grumbling goes together with impatience. James says that in spite of the uh, abuses you've endured, the unjust circumstances that you face, that we can't grumble. That as a Christ follower, it shows you to be different and having the Holy Spirit in your life. Now you go, I got to tell you, I think internal bickering for Christ followers is something that Satan is really using. When we as Christ followers just complain and gripe and grumble and complain against each other, Satan loves it. He loves to see a church that is completely distracted from its mission of telling people about who Jesus is, that Jesus can make their lives better, that Jesus can make them better at life. And when Satan can get in there and cause us to complain and grumble about each other, it creates a spirit of division and it distracts the church from what we are called to do. I mean, have you ever walked through the doors of a church And heard grumbling and complaining and thought, ah, this is just what I need. A spirit of complaining. Bring on the grumbling. It's so helpful to my life. Right? That's not what the church is called to do. That's not helpful to our lives. It's not helpful to people to be in the midst of that kind of environment. It doesn't lead to peace. It leads to disorder. And Satan loves it when he can get in your life and cause you to be impatient and grumble and lash out at each other because it distracts you from the mission that we are called to as followers of Jesus and of the church of Jesus Christ. So James calls us to model this behavior of patience with our speech and with our actions. Okay, let's go on and hear what else he has to say. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Okay, so James is going to give us some examples from the Bible. He talks about prophets. So prophets were people that mostly are talked about in the Old Testament. They're people that lived thousands of years before Jesus, that God had um, supernaturally and specifically empowered and given, gave them visions and words to communicate on his behalf. And so prophets, by their words, and usually in some really strange behavior, would communicate what God's will for the people were. So prophets, people like Amos, Jeremiah, Malachi, Ezekiel, um, Deborah, Huldah, Miriam, these were prophets that God had called to speak on his behalf. Now this was a hard gig. I mean, being a prophet was not a fun job. I mean, it was a lot of hard work and people often ignored you. They ridiculed you. They persecuted you. Um, you didn't have a lot of friends as a prophet. It was long hours, low pay. I mean, um, these prophets, they lived long before Jesus. And they have these remarkable stories. I mean, amazing stories of obedience and perseverance. And James here calls them blessed. 
These prophets, they were blessed for their perseverance. That in midst of really difficult circumstances, even though they were handpicked, they were anointed by God, they could hear from God. I mean, have you ever wondered if God spoke to you like he did the prophets, if life would be easier? God was speaking to the prophets, and they still struggled. And James says they were blessed because they persevered. Now, perseverance is closely tied to patience. And here's why. Because in order to persevere, you need to exercise your patience muscles. If you've got patience muscles going on, you can persevere through a difficult situation. Perseverance is a result of being patient. So James is going to talk specifically about a prophet named Job. Now, have you ever heard someone talk about the, have, oh, having the patience of Job? Okay, that comes from the Bible because Job was a prophet that's talked about thousands of years before Jesus came in the Old Testament. Now, Job was someone who was a good guy. He loved God. He was a good family man. He was a good businessman. And Job had tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy hit his life. His health was taken away. His family was taken away. His children died. All his possessions were taken away. I mean, Job was just left with nothing. And Job really struggled in the midst of his circumstances to figure out what was going on and why God would allow this. But Job never cursed the name of God. Job would curse the day he was born, but he never cursed God. Even when his family, his wife, his friends said, Job, curse God. He said, I will not curse God. And in fact, do you know what Job did? He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. And because of Job's faithfulness, because of his perseverance through all of these trials, God blessed him. And he restored Job um, better than when his life was before the trials began. He restored his health. He restored and multiplied his wealth. He restored his family. He gave him seven more sons and three daughters. And Job, who would live thousands of years before Jesus came, He had this conviction that his Redeemer lives. And thousands of years later, Jesus would climb out of an empty tomb and be our Redeemer. He would be your Redeemer. He would be my Redeemer. And he would live. Our Redeemer lives. And James says this, your Redeemer Our living God is full of compassion and mercy. That is who your God is. Your God is full of compassion and mercy. And if your God is full of compassion and mercy, that means he can see you. He can see the situation that you are in. And he wants, because he's full of compassion, he wants to meet you where you're at. Whatever situation that you're feeling a little impatient with right now, as you sit there, as you're asking God, why do I have to be in this situation? Why does this person have to be in my life that I'm so impatient with? It means that God not only wants to help you with that situation, but because our Redeemer lives, it means he has the power to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come into your life and fill you with patience. He wants to give you the kind of patience that will model Jesus to a watching world and show this world that you are a Christ follower, that it is not you, but he that lives 
in you. He is alive. He is a living redeemer and he can help you. He wants to. He can. He is able. So that when you interact patiently with your spouse, when you interact patiently with your parents, when you interact patiently with your kids or your grandkids, when you interact patiently with your siblings, when you interact patiently with your boss or your coworkers, or patiently with that crazy neighbor on your street that a watching world doesn't see you, they see Jesus in you. They see a patience that is not of this world. They see a patience that only can come from the power of the Holy Spirit. When you are under strain, you wait and you don't complain. When you are under strain, you wait and you don't complain. Who does that? Who does that in this world? And that's why James says, church, person who loves Jesus, man of God, woman of God, you need to be patient because it's totally countercultural. And when you are a patient person, the watching world will see Jesus. Our Redeemer lives. Let's go ahead and hear what James says as he finishes this section. And since you know that he cares, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way, your language can't be used against you. Hmm. So James ends this part of this letter by connecting our patience to our language and to our actions. So James is going to say, don't make oaths that invoke God's name. So when you say, I promise, I swear to, you don't need to do that with your language as a Christ follower. Because you know what? It ends up being a way to push your agenda onto God rather than to pause and let God lead in the midst of the situation. James says, let a simple yes be yes and a simple no be no. Because it keeps you as a person of your word. I mean, what are you trying to do when you make a, a promise or a vow or swear and you invoke God's name? Are you trying to manipulate God to do what you say you want to do? Or are you um, letting God work and God speak and just being a simple with your words and connecting them to your actions? So how do we practice this kind of patience, right? This is what it all comes down to. How do we do this? How do we get this kind of patience in our lives? I mean, some people are really only good at patience when they've got a lot of witnesses, right? I am really patient, usually, in the grocery store. But when I get in my minivan, look out, right? I mean, any, any moms in the house, can I get a witness, right? You've got enough patience in public, but wait till I get in the car, man, okay? Patience means that we don't expect everyone else to live according to our agenda and our timetable, okay? That God's got a different time than what our time is. God is patient, and so patience is important to God. God is patient with you, and so he wants us to be patient with other people. I mean, Galatians 5 lists patience as one of the attributes that, that is evidence. It's proof that you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you have submitted your life to the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says patience is proof that you are God's person. 
You know, my toddlers are always, I've got a couple toddlers still at home, so it's really easy for me to walk too fast and kind of drag them with me. And I'm always like, come on, you guys, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And they say, mommy, slow down. We can't walk as fast as you walk. And I'm always reminded that I need to slow to their pace rather than drag them along at my pace. Patience is slowing down to the other person's speed rather than expecting them to go at your own. I mean, patience is really, it's this. It's choosing to do less than you are capable of. You are capable of so much. But patience means you are choosing to do less than you are capable of so that you can keep in step with someone else. And that's what love is. Love is how, um, patience is how we show love. And, you know, I really think this is one of the signs of hurry sickness that we see just creeping up everywhere in our society today. And it really has diminished our capacity, our ability to love, to be loved, to show love. Because love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time and patience. Love, as expressed through patience, never pressures another person to speed up, to satisfy a desire of your own pace. But rather, it defers to the pace of the other person. Love allows as much time, space, and margin as the other person needs. Love never says, if you love me, you will step it up. Love says, because I love you, I will gear it down. I will wait patiently for you. I will go at your pace. Patience is a way of putting the other person first. It's a way of submitting to the other person. It's a way of loving another person. Patience says your pace, not my pace. Patience is a decision to pause rather than push. Patience is a decision to pause rather than push. So one of the ways that we can grow our patience muscles is to slow down. That's hard for us to do. Um, when we slow down, um, there's actually a spiritual discipline called slowing. It's a spiritual discipline, which means it's hard. It takes work. You've got to practice it to get good at it. And we live in this instant gratification world. I mean, there are constantly things. There's apps happening all over the time to make our life go faster, faster, faster. And because we live in an instant gratification world, it means that we are becoming a people that are more and more impatient. So if you want to become a person of patience, here's what you have to do. You have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You have to not let the culture that tells us to hurry win. In an age of fast food, drive through Starbucks, instant prime, instant videos, um, instant photos on your phone, we are encouraged to constantly get things now, to immediately get them rather than wait. And ironically, this has not given us more time in our culture. Ironically, these things make us feel more hurried. They make us feel more impatient. So this is where this brilliant, God-ordained idea of patience comes into play. 
You see, patience is God's way to tell us that we need to pause before we push. It is a way that God has created, it is a thing that God has created to make your life better. Patience is something that can make your life better and make you better at life. Patience can set you part, apart as a person of faith in a frantically paced culture. And here's the thing. If you can learn patience, if we cultivate this practice of waiting on God, then we will get to see this miracle happen. Something come from nothing. When we wait and are still, it allows God to work and something can come from nothing. Now, this doesn't mean that we're busy. I mean, I'm a busy person. I got to believe you're a busy person. We are busy people. But there is a difference between being busy and being hurried. Jesus was a busy person. Jesus had a lot to get done, but he was never hurried. He took time in solitude. He took time out to pray consistently and faithfully. He often slowed himself down. So I want to invite you this week to prayerfully ask God where he wants you to slow down. I want to challenge you to practice this spiritual discipline of slowing where you intentionally do something to build your patience muscles. You intentionally do something to slow down, to make yourself wait. Now you can see there, um, I'll invite the worship team to come on up as I just kind of reference this build your patience muscles list. And there's 14 things there, and these are just some really practical ideas. Maybe you can um, grab onto one of these and, and practice this this week. Um, things like pick up a book and read it from start to finish. People don't read anymore these days because it takes too long, right? Or um, maybe like number 14 says, write down your prayers, because it takes longer, right? I mean, it's much easier just to think them or talk them if we ever even have time to do them. But to write them down, it takes longer. It forces yourself to slow down. Because patience is this beautiful idea to pause rather than to push. So that when we are under strain, we can wait and not complain. I mean, can you imagine what your life could look like if you decided more often to pause rather than to push? Can you imagine what your life could look like? Your, your health, your family, your work. Can you imagine what these things would look like if you waited longer when you were under strain before you complained? What could that look like? Let's just take a moment and ask God right now who that person is that you need to show more patience with. What situation are you in? And how does God want you to slow down? Jesus, we love you. And we are so grateful for this amazingly brilliant concept of patience, Lord. And it is so hard. Um, Jesus, it is hard for us to figure this one out. And so we ask you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you just talk to us right now and tell us how you want to grow us to be a more patient person. Jesus, we thank you that when we are patient, that we represent you to a watching world so that they can see Christ in us. Jesus, we love you. We lift your name high and we lift you up and we say, Hosanna, for you alone are worthy of praise. Amen.